And now on this episode of Miami Miked Up, headed into the second half of the NBA season, nobody better to join me than the one and only Jason Jackson. You know him from the Heat Live pregame and postgame show, as well as his work, of course, as your voice of the Miami Heat on the radio Ooh. side, alongside Amy Otterbert. Jax, it's a pleasure to have you here as always. Um, and as you know, we got to start in the same place we always do. All-star break just ended. Maybe a couple of days off for the first time in a while. Or not off because you're always working. What's something that you've recently enjoyed that's brought you joy outside of work? Love that you start there. First of all, let's note a couple things. Your original guest of Miami. Mike that is Jason true. Jackson. That is true. Original guest of Miami. Yes. Mike and and yes, how sir. we've grown as your guest is first time I was on, uh, I believe I sat in the back of my Lexus SUV. <laughs> That's true. Because whatever timing, I literally walked out on dinner because yeah, I probably did. forgot that we had the date and we had to get it done. No, you were just helping me out. That was early, early on. Yeah. Second time. I think I was here in the home office, if not on the road, mm -hmm. but I was I was rocking and you and I like the same microphone company, but I was rocking this microphone <laughs> back in the day. And then you and I had a conversation because I was like, Tash Money, as I call you, mm -hmm. I want to sound like you have such a beautiful intonation and, and, and just a resonance that is, listen, that came that came from the divine plus mm. mom and dad DNA. <laughs> but but there was something else, and you said, Jax, I got you. There's a little – we're not going to get everybody paid today. Uh, there's yeah. a little <laughs> it's a little box you got to get, and then you got to get this this other microphone, this grown man microphone, mm -hmm. and boom, here we are shaking the room uh, with everything I got in my little baritone scenario. <laughs> yes, we do. So I guess it's the microphones that have brought you joy. It's the microphones uh, that have brought you joy. I will actually answer that question. <laughs> I did not know – <clears throat> our mutual friend and member of the Miami Heat audio experience, Alejandro Solana, was headed on a vacation that had not just a destination, but a determination. Yes, it did. I feel like a Baptist preacher right now, both flow. <laughs> and I look on my phone while freezing in the Circle City. There's different people deal with All Star differently. I work it as I have probably about 20 different times in my uh, nearly 30 years of covering the league. And then other folks realize they can go to the four corners of the world. Mm. And for our friend who is the executive producer of Hawk and Crowder over on WQAM and the voice of our local pre and post game shows uh, for WQAM, which is the flagship station of the Miami heat audio experience. And also a part of our, uh, we call it the, the the Q Morning Zoo sound that we try to create on the Miami Heat Audio Experience is uh, a host alongside uh, our superstar, the 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 key leader of all things, Tommy Tyke. Um, you would think he might have whispered, "Hey, Jax, you know, on this fantastic break, I'm first of all I'm traveling abroad, and then I'm going to ask who I've met his delightful partner. I'm going to ask her to marry me." Mm. Now, I would have talked him out of it, but he <laughs> and it has nothing to do with her. It has nothing to do with even my I'm, I'm about to be married for 29 years. I just, you know, this whole other show, the institution I'm trying to uh, of I'm trying to cherry chop the institution down. But anyway, that being said, I if he's happy and she's 
happy, and his and his boy is happy, then I'm happy. And couldn't so be that, happier for him. That was absolutely fantastic. And I and and you you're busy. You know you have so you you multiple streams of income. Bravo by you. Yeah. Uh, so you probably don't hear when I lose my you know what. I'm not a big fan of public proposals. Mm, okay. So the stuff that happens on the floor. Oh, well, that blow. Yeah, me too. I'm out. I'm the same I'm out. way. Mm -hmm. I'm out. This forever moment. That's uh, hopefully if you if you figure it out, you do that once. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Should be. Pardon me. I'm choking myself up. It should be. Again, one man's opinion. I just happen to be right. Uh, <laughs> that 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 should be something that no one else can talk about. I couldn't agree with you more. Except for these two people. But they're folks that dig it. I've ha I've helped people. I've I've I have been the gateway to this degradation of people being in public on the hardwood, on the diamond, on the ice, on the gridiron, going, "Will you, will you marry me?" And I, ooh, this is different because we got to capture and get a taste of that moment a little bit later, mm, mm -hmm. and that I can appreciate. I didn't have anybody taking pictures at Doyd L. Perry Stadium. <laughs> When I asked Sherelle to marry me back in uh, the spring of 1994, the day before graduation, by the way. No, I love that because it's, for me, it was a, a private moment here in the living room of our home after a nice day. But man, that's how you I will do tell it, you. So, yeah, but Solana did it right. They got a freaking hot air balloon in the background of some of those pictures. And my goodness, my that was a beautiful scene. So yeah, I was a congratulations to him. That. Yeah, I know. I was like, hey, nice job paying for the balloon. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure I'm sure that <laughs> that was, was organic, just coincidence. Yeah, yeah I hope so. Yeah. I hope it was. Uh, but yeah, it was that's a that's a really nice way to start. Lots of love going around and lots of love for this Miami Heat team. How about that transition? Oh, uh, as we head headed <laughs> head into the second half of the season. The Heat sit at 30 and 25. Ironically, that's yeah. the exact same record as they had last mm -hmm. year through 55 games. Uh, they had lost seven in a row. It was the longest losing streak of Eric Spolstra's tenure since then. Bounce back. They win six of their final eight in the first half, including those back-to-back -back wins to finish things off against the Bucks Love and the Sixers that. with no yeah. Jimmy Butler, no Terry Rozier, no Josh Richardson. 29 different starting lineups this season for this mm. team and 55 so games. Few. It's unbelievable. What's your overall, before we get into some of the specifics, yeah. what's, what's your sort of overall assessment for this Miami Heat team at the break compared to what you expected? And, you know, I already mentioned the record. Do you see any sort of similarities to what was going on last year outside nah, of record? You, come on, man. You know I don't do that. I spend too much right. time with Eric Spolstrom, man. I right. don't. I, it took me a long time, though, because general themes uh, that we like to have as professional observers is trying to weave these things together. And mm -hmm. is there a common thread? And are there things that you recognize from this game to the next? I'm always trying. Here I am at 52 in this this game, we'll call it now, for 34 years uh, as a paid observer of sports. And I, I just... I'm constantly trying to frame my inquiry in a way that is unlike the way I did it before. Mm. And so why wouldn't the team go about that the same way, right? That we hear Spolster all the time talking about, this is a really good team. We're just not where we want to be yet. Now, two ways to take that. Is that a standings thing? Or is that an mm. April thing? Mm. So now he's not going to allow anybody to miss a step 
but I've read that in two different ways because of the reality of what you noted, because I, I know being at Florida Atlantic university for training camp, the thing that he was salivating about the most, we've not been able to enjoy at any level. And that is the challenge of dealing with the depth from the coaching position, which is how do I feed all these mouths knowing that I can't, they know I can't, but that's, that's what he's there for, right? right? That's part of the gig. And it really hasn't been a challenge he's had to deal with a great many times. I don't know the number, but I bet you, Jeremy, it's no more than a handful of times that he's had every guy available to him. You know, two-way guys being where they're going to be. But the first 15, having that all together, knowing he's going to play 10. You know what I mean? It's a great, so, it's a great point. It's a great point, probably particularly, five times. particularly yeah. with with you only have I think it's fifteen to eighteen games where Tyler, Jimmy, and Bam have all been available. Right. And during a huge portion of that stretch, Kevin Love and Jaime Hawkins somebody else is out. out. Right. Yep. Exactly. And, and so I'm perfectly fine where the team is. I'm looking forward as we take this. I, I'm about to pull out what we call Bertha around here. It's the biggest suitcase I have. Uh, because we have the rest of this six-game trip, the backside four games, right. uh, heading west of the Mississippi for, I believe this is the last time we're doing that. And mm-hmm. so um, it, it is. it feels right. And what I think most felt right was the way the team, I mean, almost wanted to punch everybody talking about what they didn't have. Yep. And then had everything, you know, roll through. I, I give Duncan Robinson so much credit, man. He is. I, it's tough for me because you know he went to Michigan and I'm from Ohio. So we, <laughs> he transferred though, so he doesn't get all the hate. Yeah, I right, right, give, right. Uh, but uh, I love the way that he's dealt with the dynamic. Of, first of all, coming out of a abnormal season uh, as it pertains to being around because he mm-hmm. hadn't missed a whole bunch of games prior to that injury last January, and then emerging when he needed to in the playoffs filling whatever role has been necessary pretty damn consistently. Um, and it hasn't all been, you know, money balls from the edges. No. Like this stuff he's doing now, putting on the floor. Man, when he shook women, you know, I almost lost my mind. <laughs> I, I almost I lost was, my mind. Well, when we talked about our, our favorite moments from the first yeah. uh, 41 games of the season, that was on, yeah. I believe that was uh, on UD night at, at, at the arena. You're right. Yeah. That was my favorite moment of the first half was him shaking yeah. Wemby because it was such a, a, a summation of all the great things he's done. I actually was going to ask you about him, and I took down these stats from Coop's latest notebook, um, which if those of you listening to this don't read everything Cooper Moorhead writes, you're not doing it right. I, he's spectacular. <laughs> well but, but listen listen to these these stats here. After shooting 11 of 15 from three in the last two games, Split between open and catch and shoot looks and contested on the move. Duncan is now shooting 41.2% from three on 12.3 attempts per 100 possessions. The amount of players who have done that over a course of a full season, Steph's in the midst of his eighth season hitting those benchmarks. It's like Steph and Buddy Heels. Right. Then it's Robinson who's about to do it Uh for the third time, and no one else has done it more than twice. Only 25 guys in league history have done that ever. And what's unbelievable about it is is he has he's tripled his two point rate while not dropping in efficiency at all. Mm. The team is ten and zero when he scores twenty points. They're thirteen and right. one when he scores eighteen points. They're fourteen and five when he starts. 
So to me, even more than maybe Jaime Jaquez and, and his spectacular start, which we'll get to, Duncan's been the most joyful part of this first half of the season. So, I mean, you you mentioned it, but like how much praise does he deserve for the way that he's adjusted, not only physically, but mentally coming into the season and making this type of impact? And I'll make him happy just in case he tunes in to Miami mic'd up. His defense is better. Oh, so let, really and, and that's not that's not chartable. But what I do know is, is that I've seen a lot of nipping tuck time, mm-hmm. some closing time, time, and 55's on the wood still. Yep. And it's not this offense defense stuff. And listen, Duncan's still, you know, Duncan's Duncan's like me in middle school, a little too handsy. <laughs> <laughs> that he'll defensively, he just has, he just has. I love uh, that I broke him. It was like an SNL, SNL skit. I knew I was coming after you. You got me. To break you entirely. <laughs> but he has a tendency as he's backing up. I think he thinks he's getting vertical, right? Right. And you listen. Our instincts are our instincts. He's trying to get ball, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I don't know if it's a memo. I don't know if he's on the most wanted poster when when the when the referees get together every year. But that thing, you know, it's like yeah. they got air. They in got that a thing quick quick whistle on Duncan Robinson. That's for <laughs> but sure. But just keeping his body large, staying yeah. in front of his guy feet that are helpful and then the help can come i love it and here's the mm-hmm. other thing jeremy i can't even see it happen i have to go back and watch it later because play by play unfortunately i'm watching oh, the game yeah. unlike i used to because i was taught a long time ago to get my eyes off the ball but i'm always on the ball now and so it's right. replays that i get to see it and i make sure because when he's a guest that man wants to talk about his defense so always yes, re- when you get him in the winner's circle get him one <laughs> Give him one about the D. I will. I will. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that's special to him. So I, it's all, that's what I'm, it, it's a complete nature. Mm. And first of all, him, who self admittedly at one point had imposter syndrome, right? Right. That right. he didn't even believe he belonged in this space. But brother, if you, see, if you keep breaking records, if you keep, if your name is still among the greatest shooter in the history of the league, if you maintain, and all the while, by the way, he said, I will not be the greatest three-point shooter in Heat history because Tyler Hero's coming after me. It's amazing. With such great tempo. So he's the self-awareness, the self-deprecation, the commitment to being more when he was all when he honestly already established as a specialist, but wanting more, getting more. It, it's one of my it's one of my favorite stories that we don't spend a lot of time talking. We have so many special stories in the history of this franchise, but Duncan's in the last several years is as special as you can find, given his obvious arc to even getting to the NBA and now the the ups and downs and evolution of his game throughout just his Heat career. But we are coming off All-Star Weekend, and so I want to talk about a couple of guys who were featured over the weekend. We got to start with Bam Adebayo. It's it's his third All-Star game, gets to start this year with Joel Embiid out. Um, And after a couple of weeks of sort of struggling offensively after teams had made adjustments to to his dominant offensive game to start the year, he's back to his old efficient ways. I think it's six double-doubles in those last eight games, obviously six wins in those last eight games. He's also taken over the captainship from Udonis Haslam. And I think that's a bigger deal than a lot of people realize in terms of sort of the the weight and the pressure that Bam carries with him coming into this season as the main leader of this team. So in his first year as captain, in a year that's been up and down, a challenge for this team with so many players in and out on this roster, 
What what have you seen from Bam that you would say has impressed you most thus far this season? But it still keeps getting better. Mm. Like that's the thing that I love that the voice grappling of leadership mm-hmm. grabbed it, do it right, and he's just going to keep getting better at that. More experiences, more stories, more tales to tell, building guys up, right? And taking that like by the horns and recognize it, being open and transparent about his role and responsibility now that Udonis has fully handed that torch to him. Um, I love the fact that he's 20 and 10. Mm. Despite the fact that it's not necessary every night, I love that it's Joker, Giannis, our guy, and who was Sabonis, right? right. Or right. The, like only guy is doing it in 20 and 10. I may have forgotten somebody. Embiid, did I say Embiid? No, but yeah, I mean, that now that he's been out as prior well. to, yeah, that he's been out. Exactly. But it's it's a small group when you get to the nook and cranny of the season when it's all locked in and you can't really move your averages more than a tenth of a point from night to night. That that man is a 20 and 10 big man. Mm-hmm. Say, let it let it just wash over you for a second. You know, I don't know if he's ever going to get voted a starter. And I don't care. Right. And I don't think he does either uh, because there is something of of a, of a merit-based joy that you must get from the people who have to scheme against you every night saying, no, you're you're one of the best 24 yep. players in this league. Yep. And so I'm I'm super glad that there are nights you can run everything through him. There are nights where he is just going to orchestrate and nights where we're going to see that that blue blood defense that has been a part of his uh, dossier and resume since he arrived. So um, I, I still think there's even there's going to be another layer coming as well, because if he gets serious and I don't mean this in, in that he doesn't take it seriously but if it becomes the focal point of his development uh launching from beyond the arc and that becomes an actual weapon for him i'll use a line jason kidd once gave me um about i can't remember who he's talking about man i want to say it was vince carter when vince started just started shooting the three he still had the he said well if he starts that blank (laughs) <laughs> He's unguardable. He's unguardable. <laughs> it would make Bam unguardable. And and you see the way that even just the threat of a three-point shot, not even doing it all that efficiently, has helped Giannis so much in his offensive game and his scoring output because even just having to worry that he'll shoot it opens up so much in the lane for him. So when you could see Bam take that step, I did look it up while we were talking. It's Giannis, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, DeMontis Sabonis, Bam Adebayo, and Victor Wembenyama, who are averaging. I forgot the baby. The That's baby Martian crazy. was in there. Yeah. The idea that he's out here doing that already, he's going to be so special. Yeah. But he and Bam, two guys who will be in that defensive player of the year yeah. conversation for the next decade or so. Um, but moving on, an- another rookie who we mentioned now, it's Jaime Jaquez Jr. And it was so cool to see him rep heat culture and his Mexican heritage on All-Star right. Weekend. It was such a special weekend for him getting center stage on the cover now of GQ Mexico, looking all fresh over there. I mean, pretty cool cover shoot if you guys Man. haven't seen it yet. But it's only the first half of the season. There, There's a lot to go here still. Mm-hmm. But two Rookie of the Month awards. He had the 30-10 and 10 game on Christmas, participates in the dunk contest. 
Where does Jaime Jaquez Jr. rank for you in terms of best rookie seasons in a Heat uniform? Oh, there you went. There you went, man. I did. I, uh, I did go there. Yeah, it, it's tough, man. There's just so many really cool stories along the way. It's one of the best. Mm-hmm. It's one of. I'm not going to sit here and act. You can pull it up, right? We can right. go to D no, Wade. Let's start right there, right? right? The good thing is there aren't that many like straight rookie years <laughs> right, among exactly. great Heat players because the way yep. this team builds itself. So that uh-huh. that helps a little bit. Helps to narrow it down quite Ron a bit. Ron Butler. People forget how sick, great he was. Mm-hmm. A sick rookie year. A really mm-hmm. first one. Uh, I bet you if we went back to uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Cycli probably had an insane, probably more rebounding than anything else, but that sure. was probably wild. Uh, and I and I, listen, uh, that 89-90 season for G-Money, Right, he he came yeah. in here, let it fly in an era where we were just starting to recognize that that was going to be a weapon. But uh, it, it I, I imagine that from all of the accoutrements, right, that it's the way that he's been called upon, the way he's performed, the ability to receive outside recognition, that it's got to be up there among. I would argue probably the top three rookie seasons ever. Yeah, it's been spectacular, and and there's only more to go and potentially playoff moments to add to that where you yeah. see a player and, where... And he probably enjoyed his little swell already, by oh, the way, because yeah. it comes for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Our first year, uh, when you, you're like you you're past 35 games, and you're like, oh, my God. Yep, yep. There are so well, many more games. Especially go. after he played... <laughs> I mean, gosh, he played so much in college, so many right. games, so deep into the season, and was obviously a huge part of the offense that they ran over there to then come right into this season, and gosh, in the first 35, 40 games of this Heat season felt like 10 to 15 of them the entire offense was running through him so he hits that wall he comes back gets a little bit of a break here and now again as this entire team gets ramped back up headed toward the latter half of the season it's going to be fun to watch him um the conversation that everybody's having and and i i kind of want to gauge your um perspective on the importance of it uh stems to the starting lineup Right, Duncan Robinson. Mm-hmm. I mentioned before some of those stats with him. I think you know ten and zero when he scores twenty points, fourteen and five when he's in the starting lineup. His usage turns into wins. Then there's Terry Rozier, who just looked like he was getting into the flow of things before mm-hmm. that injury against the Celtics. Such a shame for him because he was really getting comfortable. And then of course Tyler Hero, who really in this last stretch has emerged back into that playmaker role that we saw him in the first six, seven games of this season before he got hurt and had to deal with, you know, all the different things he's been dealing with over the last calendar year. So is there a clear solution here in your mind for how Eric Spolster and the staff handle the starting lineup? And maybe more importantly, does it even really matter all that much what the actual starting five looks like going into the second half of the year? You want everything at your disposal. That's what you want. Right. Now, how much of that do you control? That's where the reality of Spoh's genius rolls in because he's willing to release that. Mm. All the names that I can put on this board each night, and that's what I'm rolling with. Mm. We'll sit here and just hyperventilate and pontificate about what this, that, the other, the numbers that don't lie and the reality of what he has. I will argue that while he'll, I think he would admit, you know, just because of the reality of it all, that 
this is we built this team to do this thing, so I want it all. Yeah. But in the given day, nobody can get more focused on a single thing than one Eric Spolstra. And so I don't want to say it doesn't matter. I'm leaning in that direction of what right. you intend there, which is whatever's required. Mm. Right? This is now this is when the adrenaline starts. I struggle even in my 20th season covering a single team with games 41 to 61. Mm. I generate and now we're going now we're going BTS right now. Okay. No, th- I, I think this generate, is the stuff people want. Yeah. I have to every day generate starting with the blessing of what I do for a living. So I start I, I'm I'm not kidding you. Games 41 to 61, I remind myself my grandfather was a janitor. <laughs> my father sold information systems. My mom was a school teacher for 30 years and I get to go to games for free and they pay me to be there. What in the bleep is wrong with me? Amen. If I can't generate joy, which I, I feel like I have a joyous disposition. You do. But just so, so games, man, and we're ripping and running. And there was a time in my life where I was missing a lot of stuff in my mm. sons who were student athletes careers. It was it's a lot. It's a lot. It is not digging a ditch. I get that. It is not picking fruit down in Homestead. I, I get that. I'm not flipping. I don't. I haven't lost my mind, but I would hope there'd be some level of empathy of realizing that in a rip that the gauntlet <laughs> requires of us, that yeah. when you get into what Shane Battier calls the rigors of the NBA season, which that's my that's what I choose it to be, that you can't wait till Game 62 shows up <laughs> and you start that sprint. Man, and and it's sick. And the beautiful thing is, in March and April, we'll we'll spend more games at home, which still needs an established identity, right? Yep. Winning, <laughs> and yeah. then and then, man, we get right into the tournament. Which um, that now I will connect some fibers for you. If I ever have an experience like we had last postseason, Oof. I I mean, that's the thing I'm guarding myself from. That was insane and awesome and crazy and unprecedented and all the things that we should continue to praise about uh, the the 2023 playoffs, even though it doesn't allow us to put the biggest of banners up in the arena. Um, I'm trying now to start to just uh, just untangle that from my expectations and just let what this year is going to be to be. And I will tell you what I'm hopeful for. I'm hopeful that we do not have to wrangle in the plan. I ho- I'm hopeful. And then I'm hopeful that, you know, we do what we do, which mm-hmm. is make people book their vacations. It, it's certainly the the uh, expectation around here from the fan base of this team gets it right come March and April and heads into the postseason knowing what it is that they're going to do. I remind everyone that, Two years ago, going into the postseason, the Heat didn't know their starting lineup until there were, I believe, three games left when they made the switch from Duncan Robinson to Max Struess. Last year, there were all sorts of different things that had to happen because Tyler Hero got injured and everything had to flip on its head. So paying that much attention to what your starting lineup is in game 56 
may not be the focal point as you head toward the rest of the season, but more importantly, seeing how all of these players, when healthy, eventually in the lineup can play off of one another. And one of the most important guys, if not the most important guy to ultimately get back is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy's Mm. missed the last few games, tending to a death in the family, and want to send him all the love in the world because no one should ever have to go through that, particularly, you know, with people knowing about it publicly and and that sort of the, the weight that stars have to carry with them. But he has been playing such great basketball. As of late, over the last seven games prior to his absence, Let three, him know. three of his top 10 usage rate games, right. and the team is 12 and 6 when he uses 24% or more of this team's possessions. Remember, last year he had a 24% usage rate in the regular season that spiked to nearly 30 in the postseason because that's who playoff Jimmy is, aka D Wade usage. It is, it is D Wade usage. And so now, now with some of that physical rest on his body that he's had, obviously not the mental rest that you would hope, but the physical rest on his body the last few weeks, someone who always gets it going in this part of the year, you see him on IG teasing the workouts the last couple of nights. What are your expectations for Jimmy the rest of the way here in this Heat regular season as they try to play their way out of the play-in position and into that playoff picture? This is going to sound like I'm driving down a one-way street that has a cul-de-sac, but I'm going to find my way out, all right? All right, let's hear it. January 2006, my father died. And I knew it was coming. Pancreatic cancer, damn near a death sentence still. And... Fortunately, before that season started, because of the knowledge, I was able to go home and spend, like, the best of times with Mm. my father. But still on that 20th night of January, when, and this is a time, JT, when this this didn't have a hold on me yet, right? Mm. 19 missed calls from my younger brother, who was right there in hospice as my father slipping away. I tell you that story because if Jimmy has the same experience that I had, it was the fact that I still had this very big responsibility that unfortunately, unfortunately, it it delayed my um, real mourning to another time. I'm not sure how healthy that was, but that was the reality of what I was experiencing in this D Wade, Udonis, Shaq, Zoe, J Will, Hose, mm-hmm. GP, Twan, uh, and and so on and so on. Fifteen strong. Yeah. There it is, baby. Capono. Can I can I get yeah. a shout out for Capono, Darrell Wright, <laughs> and Earl Barrett, please? Um, dark Dark Nowitzki is Shaq. Yeah, there it is. Oh, I love the stuff we're learning, man. Well, yeah. I I was fighting for a long time the fact that athletes don't need us anymore. And then they can just turn on their own microphones with really good production teams. And I love it. Oh, my God. Shout out to the OGs. Um, That being said, Jimmy has much more of what great players have that make them otherworldly and superhuman focus. Hmm. So when you have that skill set and you have that energy, it's anguish. But it's still energy. And you feed that into the fact that you have something a lot of people don't, finite focus, on top of your skill set. Um, it might be, we might, the sit back, 
the next stat line we talk about might make our wigs flip. Yeah. No, that, he, that um, I've, I've been thinking about that since he left, man, yeah. that, and, and it's not the right way to think about death in the family. I, I get no, that. I'm, I'm it, just saying, I'm trying to weave it into the fact that because I lived it at a, in a different vein at a time where the team was singularly focused right. on one thing. There was only one thing that was going to make that season successful in 06 because of 20, because of 23 here in 24, there is a firm belief from wherever we get into the tournament, mm-hmm. we're still the baddest asses in the East. Yep. And that will deal with whoever gets to the mountaintop in the West if we're so blessed to get there. And I think, I don't think Jimmy's thinking is much far off of, you know, winning, guard somebody, right? Or it's the other way around, mm-hmm. guard somebody, mm-hmm. which will lead to winning. Yeah. Right? Well, I, I think that um, the perspective that you're sharing is not one that, um, you, you're around sports, you're around this franchise, this team, having gone through something similar. And relating that experience is not downplaying what it is that he's going through. If anything, it's it's being able to show the way that anyone could deal with, with grief, with mourning, with then having to go back into your professional responsibilities, into the normal daily life that you have. And I think anybody, look, that my other... Uh, co-worker, boss, whatever you would want to say, and Dan Lebetard, he's talked a ton about how in losing his brother, he's poured so much of his focus and his energy and his love and his his care into our job, into what it is that we do, because doing the best that you can at the thing that you love that happens to be your profession can be such a wonderful way to kind of get that love back into into your heart. You're so blessed by that. And knowing someone like Jimmy Butler, you know him better than I do on a, on a personal level, but knowing the little bit that I know about him, he does seem like that type of person who will want to pour all of the the blood, sweat, tears, the mourning, the grief into being the best that he can be. And you mentioned specifically guarding someone because we know Jimmy <laughs> loves to do that. And this is exactly where I wanted to end things with you anyway. So you led me right yeah. there. You always talk about this team playing out the mud. It's the phrase you've used, I think, on this podcast more than any other phrase that I've heard you say. <laughs> the Heat defense is always what gets them there. During that seven-game losing streak, I think all of us were a little concerned that they were developing some some poor defensive habits. And the further that goes along, the more worried you get, are they going to be able to get out of it? Well, now, since that film session, instead of practice, winning six of eight games, they're the number one ranked defense in the NBA in the month of February. And as this team creeps toward the playoffs again, as Terry Rozier hopefully returns, as Jimmy hints of coming back here, how important is maintaining that top-tier defense as we head toward the end of this regular season into a postseason? And this team, as you mentioned, has their aspirations of another championship. I kid all the time that Michael Malone, head coach of the reigning NBA champion Denver Nuggets, is a preacher. That he is, you picked the denomination, but he is inspirational. There is a rhythm to the way that he talks about his team and what they want and their focus of how they want to get there. Spo is not a rhythmic kind of, you know, you can get a nice little gospel choir band in the background just to play right behind him on every little hesitation, syncopation, having that dynamic. But man, if you just listen, 
It's almost like a Sunday school teacher. That's what it, that that by that like you don't that. get the hoopla of the choir and the sanctuary and the pulpit, but man, you'll be in that text. You'll be in the learning, the scholarly aspect of what it takes to do this is available to these men every single day. The gift that Spo has, and I've said this a million times, even. When all the bleep is hitting the fan, he's not losing his mind. And when they're rolling, he's not having a parade. It's even. Yep. This is the work we do to play the best basketball as as often as we can, but then at the right time. And it's always going to be defense. It's always going to be defense. And and he doesn't play around with that aspect. No, Do you not. know who my boss is? How many times have we heard him say that? Literally you know in press mean? conferences, he'll say that. Come on, us. man. And yep. this was, a, right, and, and that was even an evolution for those of us old enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Showtime Lakers could guard you, but they were Showtime. Were mm-hmm. He didn't have Showtime when he went to New York as Pat made the transition as a head coach uh, back to his home state. And took over the Knicks, and you look in the room, and you go, "Okay, I don't have showtime, but I got a lot of people in here like to sweat. I got some cats that have things to prove," and that changed his entire mentality and disposition, and that stayed through his two ten years as head coach uh, in the Heat organization with Stan, and now with Eric, and it's not going anywhere. Apparently, yep. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't get into business talking about people's money. That's stuff. When that that stuff came out, I was like, man, I don't want that. Woo! <laughs> and let's go down to Jeremy Taché for more on <laughs> this news. Uh, but it, it it is the one thing that I have picked up. He is my elder by about 18 months. And hmm. I don't have any problem taking in. I've told him this, that I've used some of his coaching mantra in my parenting, hmm. in my mentoring, in my consoling, in my lifting of people because – the thing that he has to do, and I'll I'll close with this because I yeah. you know we'll go on and on about Spo, is that not only does he have to be a basketball savant, a leader of men who are already alpha leader type men, managing individual personalities might be now the most important thing, along with the basketball dynamics that come as a part of the night in night out, right? scouting mm-hmm. reports, uh, after timeout plays, uh, drawing up when we're going to throw a little something differently defensively at an opponent at a certain time to take advantage of the inability to react on the fly. And uh, and the nuanced stuff that just goes into preparing 82 nights before you get to the postseason. And it just it's, – it's, it's been incredible to watch these – decade and a half of growth and certainty in that space, but also a willingness to recognize each of these paths. We're going to go full circle in our conversation. Each of these paths are their own. I'm going to allow each one to be their own. I have an edict that will be one of the top five. We should be top three defenses for the season, which may be hard to do with how much runways left. But if you run from a certain point in the time, as the best defense through the end of uh, charting that, you might end up exactly where you said you were going to be. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And and 
I think this team is starting to trend in that right direction at the right time as they get healthy. And I know that we said right in this first question, we're not going to mirror things after last year. But <laughs> when you start to look at things and you start to feel the way that things can come together, you could you could feel good about the direction things are headed without necessarily drawing those exact comparisons, despite having the exact same record that they did at this point. Okay. Nonetheless, Jason Jackson, <laughs> this was a pleasure as always. Thank you so oh, much for, for informing the Heat fan base. You always have wonderful stories to share uh, and perspectives to share with, with, with the audience. So thank you very much. Uh, and I look forward to joining you back on the Heat broadcast. And I'm, I'm not on for another month or so, but I'll see you then when we get back toward the end of this regular season. <laughs> That's only because we're on the road a whole bunch. Exactly. Before we run, Jeremy, though, but yes, let, me, let me take a minute to say this about you. Um, I, I once was a young phenom in this oh profession God. and was able to launch into some awesome spaces. Watching you <clears throat> take the opportunities that you have and make them more, not because you were asked to, but because that's what your skill set has provided, your thoughtfulness, your, your dedication to understanding everything you talk about in spaces where everybody's grown enough to be your parents. <laughs> It's not easy, and I and I think it's something that as you're running through it early in your career, it's hard to hit that pause button, so I'll do it for you. And I'm hopeful that you and your spouse and your family take the time to recognize, first, how hard it is, how awesome it's to do in a space where everybody gets to enjoy it, and and, and don't, uh, don't feel like, it's a mistake I made, don't feel like, Every time somebody comes calling for you, that it's the best move to make mm. because you mm. are making a bed professionally in a space that while I'm glad I did what I did in my timeline, I'm sure as hell glad I'm back in paradise oh, <laughs> doing I, what we do. That, uh, first of all, try not to cry at everything you just said. So thank you for that. Well, Leaving me in tears at the end of my own podcast. Thank you truly humbled by everything you just said uh and yeah man i don't want to go anywhere i'm the luckiest person in i feel like professional media so yeah some of it's love to... jay but not all of it no not all of it to... man you got to be able to play thanks you can't jump in the 12 feet unless you can swim yeah well thank you, you. Know? uh but but yeah. to be to be here working with you um and you know all these other opportunities it really is like the blessing of a lifetime i never thought i'd get to do any of this stuff so to be able to do it at all when everybody asks me oh what do you want to do in five years ten years i'm like well exactly what it is that i'm doing right now so uh yeah. Yeah, I everything very lucky i want to do everything. it all i want to do everything it. so listen it's okay to let people fun. know Thank your you. dreams came true and that's yeah. that's that's what we're all really it's important for all of us to remember we we dreamt a lot of this yep. and to be able and some of it we didn't I never mm. thought I was going to call games ever was right. not a part of my thinking. I'm a host. I'm a reporter. This is uh -huh. what I do, man. I'll never not call games again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Jax, it. So it, this it, is uh, it, it's a joy listening to you call those games. I always enjoy it. Um, and thank you so much, seriously, for for all of the kind words. It, it means a lot to me. Uh, particularly today, we're 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 closing on a house, so I'm trying oh, to stay here, man. Congrats. I'm American trying to stay dream, here. Baby. Yeah, look at that. Dreams. It's all happening right now. So Congrats, thank you, Jax. I really appreciate yeah. it. And uh, once again, thank you as always for joining me on Miami Mic'd Up.